Hello and welcome to Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. This is the podcast where I sit down with an extraordinary person and they share their story with me. So they might have overcome some kind of adversity or they may still be on their journey with stories that will make you laugh, cry and hopefully feel a little bit inspired. I am really excited about the person that's joining me today on the podcast. It's somebody with the courage to be exactly who he wants to be, no matter who understands. Jamie Campbell is a fashion designer and a drag queen whose story directly inspired one of the most popular musicals of recent years. In 2011, Jamie was the subject of the BBC Three documentary, Jamie Drag Queen at 16. Oh, it makes me feel emotional saying it because I remember watching it and it actually made me cry. This was a documentary where the cameras follow Jamie on his journey to become the drag queen he's always wanted to be. His story hit the stage as an all singing, all dancing musical, Everybody's Talking About Jamie, in 2017 in Sheffield and moved to London's West End shortly after. Having built such a huge fan base, the brand new film adaption of the musical has just been released on Amazon Prime Video with an all-star cast. With a story of overcoming adversity and being your fabulous true self, I am completely honoured, if not a little bit fangirl, to have him join me today. Hello, Jamie. Oh, hi, Katie. Oh my God, it's such an honour. Thank you for having me. I love you so much. Ah, the feeling is mutual. I've never wanted to cry in an intro. Oh my God. Um, I think you represent so much to all of us and your appeal is really wide. I just think you're an amazing guy. I mean, before I go into everything I want to say to you, let's start with the film because it drops today. Um, so huge congratulations. Oh, you must be you. feeling pretty proud of yourself, I guess. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm like on cloud nine. And it's been such a journey getting to this point. And it was supposed to be released last year and it just kept getting pushed back and pushed back. But now I'm just so excited for the world to see it. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say it's a whirlwind, but I don't know. Is it a whirlwind? Because actually it's been quite a long time and, and you've in various stages done lots of different things with the story. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it has still been a whirlwind, but a long whirlwind. Um, but it has all been like a progression because none of this started so big. It all started small and then it just slowly snowballed and snowballed and snowballed and just kept on going to this like huge thing that we're at today. So Yeah, it was amazing yeah. that, I mean, I'm talking from somebody that's seen the documentary and rewatched it a couple of times, like on my laptop in bed. Um, and some people listening to this might not yet have seen your original documentary, I think why I loved it so much is seeing that struggle of being somebody who you can't be and that, that struggle with identity and that judgment in society. I think a lot of us have felt that and felt trapped from it. And I, and I think we kind of empathised with you and we felt like we knew you even though we didn't. C can you explain about that, that beginning story and your journey to people that haven't watched it? Um, yeah, so basically I grew up in the northeast of England um, in a little town called Bishop Auckland. And yeah, I was always bullied from being very young. I was always very flamboyant. Um, most people's first memory of me is running around in a pair of fairy wings and a tutu. <laughs> um, but I just couldn't hide it. Like I wasn't much of an actor really. So um, I just sort of was who I was. Um, and my mum was always there to support me through it all. So I'm so lucky that I had the support from my mum. 
So yeah, she always encouraged me to just be myself. And so I did, because I was like, there's no point pretending, like people know. So obviously a lot of stuff came with that, with the bullying and people always having a go. Um, but yeah, that was just what it was. I didn't really know any different. Um, eventually, like when I got to doing the documentary, um, I think the reason it's so raw is because we just like gave them everything really. Like we just, we were so comfortable with the team who made it. Um, so it was Jenny Popperwell and Laura Ellings and um, we're a very small crew um, and they came and the first thing they said when making the documentary was, we don't want to make you out to be some comedy character. We don't want to humiliate you or anything. We want to show a really true, honest representation of what's going on. And that really put us at ease because mum especially was very nervous about being in front of the cameras and stuff. Because yeah. you know what it's like, like when you've got a camera in your face, it's not the most natural thing. But they just sort of hid in the background, really, and were really, really respectful. And yeah, I think that's what comes across on film because they felt like friends and we went on the journey with them as well. Yeah, it felt really intimate and it didn't feel like you said, it wasn't like reality telly, it mm -hmm. didn't feel staged. It felt like we saw the actuality kind of unfolding. I feel like it's a big decision because up until that point, if all you'd had was bullying and negative reactions, was it a hard decision to expose yourself in that way? Because you didn't know, I mean, the outcome has been amazing, but you had no guarantee that that is how people were going to um, perceive or portray you. Yeah, and quite frankly, we were bracing ourselves for a lot worse because um, mm -hmm. it was more of a surprise, the positive reaction that came from it. Um, even, like, I don't know if the listeners have seen, but basically I went to prom in drag when I was 16 and that's sort of where it came from. Um, and but turning up to prom, we just didn't think I was going to get in like we had all of the cameras set up like for like really nice moody shots coming out um, and then when all of that happened it was just like what is going on like we just didn't expect it um, and the reaction from the public as well was so surreal because um, you know what people are like online and we mm -hmm. just obviously I did get like bits of hit but it was so far outweighed by people sending nice positive things and like I think you said earlier it's yeah my story is a little bit niche like wanting to go to prom and be a drag queen and stuff but it's not about that it's just about having a, that dream that thing you want to do and not letting anyone stop you and just going for it and I do think that that's what people connect to yeah I think we love that you were victorious and we all want to take comfort in that that actually good will prevail um and I think it's worth mentioning that your documentary was 2011 so it was a very different world you know I'm talking to you now in 2021 and, and maybe it wouldn't be such a big thing in 2021 but like you said you were from a regional county I wondered like really early years in childhood you know you talked there at the start about wearing fairy rings and stuff like that was there an age you can pinpoint where you started to become inspired and wearing drag or was it not really a, a moment like that the actual first time I actually did drag in a public space was when I was in year four 
and um, we were doing a school assembly on Henry VIII and each of the wives had like a different story on stage and I ended up being Anne of Cleves um, so my teaching assistant sort of dressed me up in her old bridesmaid's dress and these proper like ratty brown extensions and so I mean I was always like quite open when I was younger and especially primary school I mean they were horrible they used to push me in the girls toilets and be like mm. you're a girl you're a girl and because I don't think they really knew what gay was then so it was the girl that I got in primary school and then it was that move into secondary school that's when it, it all sort of changed a bit more and then I went a bit more inward and yeah I came out at a, um, in year nine so when I was about 14 Oh, wow. um, okay. That just happened in English class because um, we were having a discussion about gay people and everyone was like chiming in. And then I just stood up and was like, everybody just needs to realise that some people are gay and that's OK. And then everyone was like, so are you saying you're gay then, Jamie? And then I was like, no, and sat down. And then I got back up and was like, well, yes, yes, I am. Um, and from that moment on, it was sort of a bit easier. Like the, the bullying didn't stop, but mm -hmm. they would call me names and I'd be like, well, yeah, you're just stating facts. Like, you're not like, that's not an insult. Come up with something more clever. Do you know what I mean? You took the pat, you took ownership. Yeah, because I've yeah. never wanted to be a victim. Um... Bullies, they want you to feel like that. And that was mm -hmm. what my mother always said. It was like, they want you to feel like that. So don't let them. Even if you feel it, don't let them see it. Um, so I tried to never let them see it. And I know it's easier said than done. And it's easier for some people than others. But I do always try and encourage other people who are going through things like that to try and do that. I know we shouldn't have to put on faces and pretend things, but... Yeah, don't let the bullies see that happening. And I still don't hold anything against the bullies because I know bullies aren't doing it because they're actually horrible people. They're doing it because they've got deep issues and they've gone through things themselves and that's why they're putting it out there. It doesn't excuse it, but I know that every bully out there is doing it for a reason. So I always Someone try and remember that, that. Yeah, they said to me, hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's so true because that, that hate or that darkness has to come from from an, a, their own dark or hateful experience, hateful life, you know. I actually read somewhere that also on your way home from school, it was adults as well that would shout at you. Yeah, there'd be like a man and he had like this little kid, like this little toddler, and he'd be like, shout gay boy, shout and stuff like at him. With like his kid. This kid. And this kid was like, eh, like not knowing what he's doing, but like his dad's telling him to do something. So it's child abuse, he was. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard because it's like, what is that kid going through? Like, what if they are gay or they've got a friend who's gay like are they going to be able to open up about it like no we, we think we're getting so far and we are but it's not everywhere it's not like those tiny little villages and stuff and this is just in our country like other countries oh god <laughs> and bringing yeah. it back to the film that's why i'm glad that this film is going out and going on amazon prime because it's going to i think 240 countries around the world and that's the most exciting thing for me because it's like, I just think about not even just the gays, but like anybody, but like, especially like those young little gays in those tiny little villages in like mm. anywhere, like some remote country somewhere. And then like watching it on the laptop with the earphones in, like, I, I hope they can sort of get from it. Um, 
Because that is the thing, really. We're talking about your life pre the musical, pre the documentary, growing up in County Durham, coming out as gay, it being in drag in County Durham. Has County Durham changed now compared to like Jamie's childhood? I would say so, yeah. But even like back then, it was like there was like the pockets of people that weren't bad. Like one of my favourite memories to do with it all was it was the day after and I was just walking down the street and then this bloke in a white van pulled up and I was like, oh God, here we go. And he like shouts, oi, were you that lad who was on the telly last night? And I was like, um, yeah. And it's like, good on you, son. Well done for doing it. And I was just like, oh, that was so wow. sweet. Because I what was a like, difference. yeah, because it's not everyone's bad. And I think as well, like I can judge people thinking that they are going to, judge me do you know what I mean and then I think that's just as bad because I think that was the whole scenario with prom as well like I thought everyone was gonna be like hate me and not let me in and not want me to be there but really like the the year came around and said if you don't let Jamie in we're not going in so I felt like I'd judge prejudge them thinking they were gonna judge me kind of thing yeah and I felt like in the documentary I mean it was so long ago mm-hmm. like we did see you scared and anxious that you were going for wig fittings trying on makeup <laughs> and you were a totally you know young boy you were d- a different boy do you think there's anything to be said in like drag almost could be a mask for you when you were coping with difficult times in your life even though drag makes you stand out more I know it's a bit of a contradiction but mm-hmm. oh no drag is a full-on contradiction like that's like what it is like it is a mask and it's a persona and you do get that confidence like Fifi True has done things and can say things that I would never dream of as Jamie like and I do see them as two separate people like I see Fifi as my sister um, it's your drag name, isn't it? Yeah, Fifi yeah. Latrue is my drag persona. And she's a monster, honestly. Um, but I think that's what drag is. It's that like whole release and that confidence and you just let things out. Um, but yeah, you're expressing yourself, but drag isn't real. Like It's completely artificial. Um, it is fake. And I went through a long time of getting lost in the character. So mm-hmm. I only ever felt beautiful and amazing as Fifi because she was the one that got all the attention, the one everyone gagged over. And yeah, so I lost a lot of my confidence as Jamie um, and give it all to her. And then it's been it's been a journey, you know, it's been 10 years mm. that I've been working on it. Um, and then I've like slowly got to realising that Jamie is the person behind it all. So everything that Fifi is, Jamie is and more. So that's sort of where I am now. Um, so Fifi is actually sort of a little bit on the back burner at the moment. Um, oh, okay. Have you laid her to rest? Is well, she... she will definitely be back, bigger and badder than ever. Um, but that's why I'm just trying to focus on myself as Jamie. Mm. Um, but yeah, we should all grow. We should all evolve mm-hmm. then. And we should all feel like we have the right to do that. Yeah, but she'll always be there. And I recommend anybody doing drag. Like, I think everybody's seen, a lot of people seem to think that drag is just a man dressing as a woman. And it's not. Anybody can mm. do drag. You should do drag. Everyone should. Because, yeah, we're not playing real women at the end of the day. A drag doesn't even have to be a woman. There's like drag kings and everything. Drag is just a complete rejection of all gender and it's like taking everything throwing it in a pot spinning it around throw some glitter on it and chuck it on like it's even like (laughs) i was watching love island and um the other week they did um like a sort of like they got dressed up challenge um where they had to like lap dance each other kind of thing and like they were like dressed up as like pilots and stuff and they were like 
we did things that we never thought we would do. Like, it didn't feel like we were really being us, but it's because they had that confidence of being dressed up as something mm. else. Um, yeah, it's like being a kid and putting on like a superhero cloak and you are that superhero. Um, like, yeah, it's just clothes at the end of the day, but clothes do hold so much power. Oh, yeah, I'd recommend exploring it as much as possible. Where did your name come from, then? Your, your drag name? How did you think of that? Uh, Fifi the True, so that's just basically about being true to yourself. Um, mm. And then Fifi was the campus most ridiculous name I could think of at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I do love it. <laughs> do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you cool with mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. So we should talk about the musical because I've, I've been to see it three times. Um, so I'm a true fan. How did it logistically come about? Did you just randomly get a phone call or an email one day? Yeah, this whole thing's been random. So the documentary came out and then it was about a year later and I got a call from the director being like, oh, these people want to make a musical about you. Is that okay? And uh, me and we were, of course, like, yeah, yeah, okay. But we had no idea what it was going to be. We thought it was going to be like a community centre kind of production, like something really small, which was still going to be amazing. We were like, oh, it'd be nice to go and see. Um, and then years went by and we didn't hear anything. So we were like, oh, well, they must have, like, like just left it kind of thing. And then, yeah, we got a call saying, oh, Sheffield Theatres are putting on everybody's talking about Jamie. Are you coming? And we're like, yes, I've got to come in. Um, so we turned up and saw it at the Crucible Theatre. Um, as soon as we saw it, we knew it was something special. We were quite... I don't know, naive going into it. Like, we didn't know what to expect. We decided not to read the script because we just wanted to go in blind. And yeah, it was like being on an emotional roller coaster and ups and downs and ups and downs. And then as soon as it finished, like, that feeling of the audience jumping to the feet. Honestly, it felt like the roof had been blown off and they brought us down on stage and we were crying and like we had like John and Josie who were playing us on stage and it was such a surreal, special moment because it's like seeing things that you've actually done in real life but through the eyes of somebody else but on stage with actors yeah. playing you. It, it's Your so weird. Story. It's like out-of-body experience kind of thing. It only had a three-week run and... Yeah, it sold out with word of mouth and, yeah, there was such a big buzz about it in Sheffield. And, yeah, and then we got the call to go to the West End um, from Nika Burns, who is such an inspirational woman. She runs um, Nymax Theatres, so she is this head woman in charge of, in this, like, really male-dominated industry. And she's so respectful and she's, like, been through it all. And she took the chance and brought it to the West End. And so we opened in February. 2017 in Sheffield and then it was November it was in London it's like, never stopped has it literally it's been one thing after another it was like seeing that everybody talk about Jamie go above on Shaftesbury Avenue like I walked back and forth about 50 times like when, I, when that first day when I saw it go up 
on press night in London, I was sat in front of Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> I had this tiny little skirt on and like I bent over and then mum was like, Jamie, you're showing your ass to Andrew Lloyd Webber. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but you know when you say about it selling out word of mouth, like what I take from that is like, yes, people can be real shits sometimes and all the bullying you've been through, it, it's like demoralizing and depressing to think of society like that but when shows like this sell out through word of mouth it fills me with hope that actually people care people mm. want to do the right thing and loads of people feel more different than we realize mm. and, and and feel more excluded from society than we realize because otherwise why would you have this response and this success yeah. like i don't see it as just a story about a drag queen i feel like it's a story about homophobia um bullying family issues and I think that's why it's been so popular. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, completely. I think at the end of the day, I think, yeah, we all might have this perception that everybody's horrible, but I think generally most people are all right. And like you say, we are all different. Like, yeah, it's not just about drag. Like, we've all got that thing that we want to do. And yeah, just go out and do it. If I can do one thing when I'm 16 and end up with a West End musical, international musical <laughs> and the film, it's just mind-blowing from one thing it's like how Johnny described it all Johnny's the director of the musical was it's like I dropped a pebble in and the whole ocean just sort of rippled and it just kept mm. on rippling and like it got to like the ocean and like this big massive thing and that's sort of like how I see it and that's all of us all of us can take little pebbles and drop them in here and there every now and again and like send off ripples that's such a beautiful analogy because when we feel hopeless and and we feel trapped we feel like what's the point what difference can I make how can I change my life and this is my life I'm stuck and you know it actually shows you just need to have the courage to drop that first little fragment mm -hmm. you know and, and have the self-belief which, which is hard if people are are shaming you and pushing you down but was there ever a moment of revealing yourself to your mum mm -hmm. and I'm actually we haven't really talked about her oh, properly yeah. um she sounds like quite an amazing woman or was she just this constant presence that always knew who you were I mean yeah she always knew I mean I did come out at some point but I think it was all very like oh I'm gay and she was like well yeah <laughs> obviously like, <laughs> who are you trying to kid and I think that's actually a reaction that a lot of gay people get when they come out I found is the parents like well yeah we know <laughs> and it's this big thing that you built up um but no my mother is such an amazing inspirational woman um and she because she's always been there for me 110 percent and she's a fierce lioness and she defended me like yeah nobody like she <laughs> tore people apart who like even tried like lots of things i don't even know but like <laughs> so was it always like you and your mum, or mm -hmm. was your dad ever in or out of your life at all um so my mum and dad got divorced when i was in year two so um, how old are you then about seven ish or something yeah seven six or seven yeah yeah and i did have like a loose relationship with my dad like, i would see him on like sundays but then yeah we drifted apart completely after the documentary and um, we've still not spoken since then um is that because of the content of the doc it was more the drag thing i don't think he understood the drag thing and um he wasn't necessarily against me being gay although i don't think it's what he wanted but 
it was, yeah, especially the drag thing he didn't understand. And then with the documentary coming out. But yeah, basically, we haven't spoken since I was 16. And I don't know if he knows about any of this. Um, but we live in a small town where everyone talks. So I don't know if he does, but I've not heard from him. Um, mm. This isn't directed at your dad. This is separately. Um, because I'm just thinking about friends that I have that are not necessarily even drag, but gay. And sometimes some of the biggest bullies or the people that are really vocal, particularly in big crowds, are those that are scared of exploring that side themselves? You know, that, you know, that saying of he who doth protest too much. Mm. And like, even for me, when I found I've had like trolling online, it actually comes from people that are jealous of me being comfortable and confident because they wish they could be that because mm -hmm. they hate themselves you know and yeah. and I sometimes think that when when somebody's gay it, it, the person that has the biggest issue with it comes from a really repressed family where they just couldn't explore that side of themselves do you think that's a fair comment um yes um yeah and there's lots of things under layers and stuff um mm. but, and i mean like i get it as well like i know like me and you we seem like these people who are so completely positive and like have managed to like overcome things and stuff but it's not that all the time is it like we are like even the most confident and self-assured people like suffer like i suffer from anxiety and stuff like that mm. and feelings of not being good enough and looking at things i'm like oh like why don't i look like that why can't i do that like oh mm. i'm not this i'm not that and then i'm like well I just got to bring it back and just be like, well, I'm not doing that. Um, this here and yeah, it, it's, it's a, a good journey. skill to have though. You to bring yourself yeah. back. It's good that you can do that. But sometimes you know? it happens quicker than others. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, like I just think it's important to be like, yeah, you can be all positive and stuff like that, but it's okay to feel a bit crap at times as well. Like mm. and but just don't sit in it forever because it's not constructive to anybody. Most of all, yourself. Um, yeah. Well, let's focus on your successes. Yeah. And like we said at the start, um, everybody's talking about Jamie, the film out today on Amazon Prime. Um, it's got an amazing cast, Sharon Horgan, Richard E. Grant, Sarah Lancashire, newcomer Max Harwood, who's playing you. Um, amazing actors, you know, really well-known actors in your life story. Were you involved with it going from stage to screen? Like how much involvement have you had in this film? Um, very little, to be fair. Um, creative decisions are nothing to do with me. Because, um, mm -hmm. yeah, the writers don't want to be stuck with the mindset of what would Jamie Campbell do? Like, it's Jamie new in the films and stuff. So they sort of do all of that. Being on set for the first time was the most surreal thing. Like, I knew it was going to be a big deal because it's it started off, it was going to be quite an independent thing with Warp Films, who did, like, This Is England and Four Lions and stuff like that. And Dead Man's Shoes, which I'd, like, studied in film studies at college, so it was, like, mad that they were doing it. And then it, like, grew bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we got on set, and it was humongous. Like, I could, I could not believe what I was seeing. There was, like, sets upon sets upon sets upon sets with, like, hundreds and hundreds of people running around. And... I was just like, what is going on here? And Did you take your mum um, with you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and that's course. what's been amazing about this whole thing. It's always been my mum and my grandma, actually, as well. We always make sure yeah. my grandma's there um, throughout they this whole thing. It. So I think it's sort of like, you know, like when like the girls of Little Mix are like, oh, it's so nice to have gone on this journey with my girls by my side. It's like, I feel like that with my mum, like I've managed to go through all of this with my mum like, by my oh, side. So I'm so very that. lucky. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's this one moment, and it's what gets the most tears out of me all of the time. And 
I think it's so important um, and it's, so it's different from the stage show. So with Loco Chanel in the stage show, she sort of has a bit of a backstory, but you don't know too much about her. Whereas in the film, there's like a lot more layers and you understand like where it came from. And there's moments where like it goes back and like through history and it sort of shows us where we've come from. Um, and yeah, it's just really important, like the things that like my community have gone through and I feel so lucky and I thank my gay ancestors, LGBTQ ancestors who have fought for me to be able to sit here today. And there's a moment in the film where Jamie goes into the drag shop and then he comes out and he's a bit nervous. And she's like, I can't do this, pretty, like, pretty who's the friend? And she's like, people actually died. Like, I just want to put on a dress and be a little bit famous and have a fun. And then pretty says, well, what did you think they died for? And that really hits me every time because it was yeah. like, they died so I could have the freedom to do those things that they couldn't do. And I sort of feel like I'm a bit of a torchbearer at the moment, like holding on to this moment in time, which I think this film is like a time capsule almost of where we are now. And hopefully we will look back in like 10, 20, 30 years from now. And yeah, it will be a much different place again. Um but no, I'm so, so lucky um, to have grown up in the time that I have. Like, I have experienced bullying and I've like, been like, beat up a couple of times, but I've not, like, had to fear for my life, like, every single day, like, they had to. It's still a big thing what you've been through. Like, you really, like, just rolled off the tongue, oh, I've been beaten up a couple <laughs> of times. Like, no, I don't accept that. That shouldn't be part of your normal life. Like, yeah, why should you have to accept being treated like that? Mm -hmm. um, and actually, it hurts me to hear you say it, like, you're lucky. You know, mm. no one should be physically attacked for being yeah. themselves. Um, I wanted to talk to you actually about, so thinking of shows like RuPaul's Drag Race, um, it is making drag more mainstream. It, it, you know, even things like my kids uh, watch RuPaul's Drag Race and that opens up conversations that we probably wouldn't have had at age seven. <laughs> so it's really positive. Do you think that it's sort of changing the future of drag and, you know, it, maybe it's more mainstream than it ever has been before because of shows like that? Oh, yeah. Like, drag is mainstream now and drag never was. Like, drag always was this, like, underground alternative thing and now the masses love and appreciate it. And we are so lucky to have lived in the world where RuPaul has come and made this show such a big massive success and opened so many people's eyes up to it all like, I mean I think I saw it was season two back when it was season two when it first came out it was the first time I saw it and I was just like what but it's the queens on it as well like RuPaul is amazing for giving them the platform but it's the girls who have gone on there and shown their talents and their vulnerability um, that has made it what it is and it just keeps on going. Like, I can't believe how big it's got. It used to be like, oh my God, have you seen Drag Race? And people would be like, what, what's that? And like, now it's the first thing anybody says when they hear you're a drag queen. It's like, mm -hmm. ah, you've seen Drag Race. But like with it, with anything that goes uh, mainstream, it's sort of like, it does like filter it down a little bit. And I think the danger with RuPaul's Drag Race being as big as it is, is that people think that's just what drag is. 
Mm. And especially nowadays with the girls going on and they spend thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds on their, like they get out loans before they go on, like, and they spend like 20,000 pounds on their looks for it. And it's like, that's not a true representation of real drag. Like real Mm. drag, to be honest, is not that profitable. Like you get your little money from your gig and you just have to do as many as possible, but there's not that many gigs out there and there's a lot of girls as well. So it's actually most people can and then you've got to get all your wigs all your makeup all your nails all your tights all your heels everything out of it because I thought there might be people listening now that want to get started and, and actually they don't know where to start in drag and I was wondering you know what would you say to those people but then also separately there might be parents listening who don't know how to support their child in the way you were supported by your mum so I wondered those two different angles what advice you had from your own life experience um well you can do it on the cheap you definitely can but even doing it on the cheap is there's still a lot of cheap stuff to get so you can be crafty and creative and that's part of the beauty of it to be honest and like that's why I love the queens who are more crafty and they have to like make it work kind of thing so like just get a sewing machine I mean if you can't get a sewing machine glue gun like you can get glue gun for like a tenner or something and just like craft and craft and craft and use with what you've got like I love when I see people doing like bin bag dresses and stuff like that like that's the most creative thing I think um it's like turning trash into treasure like that's what drag's about it's about presenting it as something like yeah trash so literal trash like I've gone out wearing stuff I've literally found on the street and like that's cool presenting it like you're wearing like high fashion couture darling Um, but it's it's that whole fantasy um and then yeah to parents who don't know how to support their kids just sort of speak to them and find out what it is that they want to do and if you don't understand something ask questions and I know it can like be really confusing nowadays because there's a lot of people who like now identify as non-binary and stuff like that and people find it really hard to get their head around that Um, But I think it's just about respect at the end of the day. And if someone tells you they want to be called something, try your best to. And I think people get scared about saying the wrong thing all the time. And yeah, there are people, especially online, who will kick off at anyone for the slightest little slip up. But I think the majority of people, as long as you're trying and you make the effort, like, then they're happy with that do you know what I mean like we can't expect mm. everybody to know our pronouns and stuff yeah. straight away um I love that because we don't want to sort of like push people out and punish people mm-hmm. we want to take them along with us and improve them and educate them and make it open like you said mistakes happen but make it open so that people can get better and understand yeah um it's interesting what you're talking about about being a crafty queen um <laughs> because I know actually you now work in the world of fashion yeah. Um, So tell us a little bit about what you're up to in that world and what's your plans for the future in fashion and your projects? Yeah, well, I've always loved fashion and clothing and style. I've always made my own clothes and stuff. Um, And throughout all of this, it was like, right, I've had all of these amazing opportunities. What is it I want to do with it? And with my drag sort of taking a back burner, I was like, well, it's fashion, obviously. Like, I've always dreamed of having a fashion brand, but I just know it's a very brutal industry as well um so I decided to just launch my own brand during lockdown actually um and me and my mum and grandma we made six outfits the original orders were all completely made by hand by us in the living room 
Um, but they're all numbered, so those are very lucky few people who got the original ones. Hopefully, if I become a really massive world famous designer, those are at the highest resale value. <laughs> I feel like you absolutely will because everything you touch turns oh, to gold. Oh God, so. well, I hope so. But I mean, it's just hard. So like, I have, I am working at the moment. Um, but if you can go on Instagram and follow me at Jamie Campbell, um, that's Camp Bell. <laughs> um, <laughs> then you'll yeah find all my stuff on there. Um, we will get there eventually, but it's just it, it's a bit of a process. But it's so rewarding. I love it so much. It's, oh, um, I know you're going to be successful because I just feel like everything you do, you work really hard, um, and everything you do, you you believe in yourself, and and I think that's when we find our our success. I feel like for me, the moral of your story is that is to be who you want to be and being you is okay. And I wondered, because it was very much a story that you grew and evolved on and we we watched it sort of pan out. It wasn't like you came to the story with all the answers. I wondered if you'd learned lots about yourself in this whole process from documentary to musical, now to film. Have you learned about who you want to be and, and who you are? I think I've learned like you never truly know in the end because we are constantly ever evolving and you can have an idea of how you want to be or where you want to be or what you want to do but the reality is it always just happens really so just go along with the journey and yeah just go with it but just keep moving forward at the end of the day keep going you can go at different speeds but like just enjoy it and watch as your life develops, because you might end up somewhere that you completely didn't expect. Like, I know at the start mm-hmm. of all of this, I didn't expect to be sat here talking to you, Katie Piper, <laughs> with like, my film having just come out. Like, you know, it's it's crazy. So you never know what can happen. So just keep going. You never know what's around the corner. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're right. You don't know who you're going to end up connecting with. And like, without sounding too like cheesy, you never know who you're inspiring because when I first ever went to see your musical, I was in a difficult place. Nobody really knew that. And I cried watching it. And at the end, I was like, I'm going to shed all this shit and I'm just going to move forward now. And it was like a closure, you know, when it's like a defining moment and it was like a closure thing for me. And, and and it was like, we'd never met. I mean, still now we haven't met. We're on Mm -hmm. Zoom together. Right. But it's like your story impacts you. And that goes back to what you said about the pebble. You know, you threw it out there. You've impacted my life. We've connected with each other. I think you're such an advocate for being the real you and your true self and the impact you've made on so many people and especially children and teenagers. You know, I I told you at the start of the podcast, my daughter's learning all the songs from the musical for her singing classes. So we've been able to talk about you and it, it's really helped her. Like you're such a good role model to think that story started from a place of shame and not knowing if you could be that to now actually being someone as parents, you know, we actively tell our children about you um, and it's entertaining, yeah. like, and, you know, that, there's a lovely fun side to it as well, isn't there? It's yeah, not, it's not all preachy. Like, no. it, it, at the end of the day, they said when they were making it, they wanted it to be an entertaining show at the end of the day. Like, that's the mm-hmm. main aim with producing something, and all of the other messages are just bonuses at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, it is really nice hearing stories like this from you, yeah. and I still find it strange. But, um, <laughs> it's surreal. But, right? yeah, yeah, it is. Um 
Yeah. No, you're an incredible guy. And I, I really hope that you never stop telling this story in all of its forms. And I'm personally really excited and looking forward to seeing what the real Jamie does next because you are like the podcast says an extraordinary person oh, so thank you thank you for everything you do <laughs> thank you and you too Kate honestly your story has really inspired me as well over the years like I couldn't believe what you've been through and just to see you such this powerful woman and <laughs> how much change you've made in the world for so many people it's amazing to see so thank you for doing you oh. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. If you haven't already, please follow where you get your podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed this, please help us spread the word. Rate and review the show or share on your socials.